What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, President Biden's surprise trip to Ukraine. Nearly a year since Russia's war there began, Yale professor Jeff Sonnenfeld is counting the companies that have foregone their Russian business. The first movers is what really shocked me. It was big tech, big oil, and professional services. They're never the first movers on social justice issues. And what we're learning from corporate protest. Russia has become an economic afterthought. Russia is not an economic superpower in any measure. Then remote work is costing New York City billions of dollars, but the partnership for New York's Kathy Wilde says hybrid work is here to stay. 82% of employers today, of Manhattan office employers, say that hybrid work is their future plan. Before the pandemic, that number was 6%. Plus, Home Depot spending a billion on higher wages. Meta asking for your money and families together again in the friendly skies. I'm happy to see you, Joe. I'm very happy. It is Tuesday, February 21st. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Andrew by in three, two, one. Cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. And I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Just the boys this morning. Becky's off today. A three-day weekend Tuesday is almost like a Monday on steroids. So there's just that it's raining and it's thir- well, it's raining and it's 39 degrees. Do you feel happy? Do you feel- well? You had a you know. I'm happy. I'm happy to see you, Joe. I'm happy to see you. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Let's tell everybody about. I read, this. I, I, it just my horoscope was so good today that you I want to share. I'm, it? I'm, well, I'm going to read it to you and just you might want someone who I doubt really thinks I'm great today is going to say I'm incredible. And instead of doubting him, right. I'm supposed to believe him because I am great, is basically what my horoscope says. Now, I mean, you know, it could mean anybody, Andrew, but I mean... But you think that, okay. Someone who isn't usually so fulsome uh-huh. in their praise uh-huh. will slap you on the back today and tell you what a great guy you are. Uh-huh. Are they for real? Uh-huh. Yes, they probably are. It seems they really do think you are special. Okay, get the cameras out. Everybody, do we have microphones here? I just want to, can, can we do this? Can we just, here? It, it seems they here really do think you are special. I'm, I'm going to, on the back, no less. And of course they are right. And, 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 and I really right believe there. it. And I'm being genuine. I am. Okay. Thank okay, you. there. Thank you. You okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and compose myself. Home Depot uh, just reporting. Melissa Repco, uh, has the numbers. Melissa, are you? I don't know what. I, I'm sorry that 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 was uh, that preceded you. Good morning. Hey, Joe. Good morning. So, yes, Home Depot numbers are out and it beat on earnings, but it missed on revenue on earnings. It beat by two cents. It reported three dollars and 30 cents versus the three dollars and 28 cents that were expected on revenue. It reported thirty five point eight three billion versus the thirty five point nine seven billion that was expected. And we're seeing the stock down this morning in part because of its outlook. It talked about comparable sales being flat in the year ahead. I spoke to CFO Richard McPhail, and he mentioned that, you know, they are seeing more price sensitivity that they were 
in, in months before. And they're seeing that, of course, as inflation remains high. But he did note that Home Depot's consumer is more resilient. They are homeowners who may see an advantage in staying in place when they have a fixed mortgage rather than moving. And so that is helping Home Depot to some extent as people fix up their, their home, renovate their home rather than moving to another home. He also talked about how there is a fundamental assumption that Home Depot is factoring in, into its forecast, that flat comparable sales forecast, that you know economists are right, that consumer spending will be flat in the year ahead, and that will mean flat sales for Home Depot. The, uh, that's the first thing I saw. I think, it, number one, it, it, flat results, basically. But I guess then I looked immediately at the uh, earnings per share number, very similar to what uh, the company earned in this was the fourth quarter, the fiscal fourth quarter. Uh, but then the flat same-store sales, that's kind of uncharacteristic, and, and we're down about 3% right now. Exactly. And it's also worth noting that comparable sales for the fourth quarter were down slightly, but Richard told me that you know the reason for that in part was lumber deflation. So he said were it not for lumber deflation in the fourth quarter, comparable sales would have been positive. Interesting. So it, it wasn't necessarily, it was price. It wasn't the, the unit, unit sales at that point. But Exactly. We're waiting. Sorkin, where's Barry Sternlich's, thank you, Melissa, where's Barry thank Sternlich's you. economy? Where is Barry Sternlich's You mean the one that was going into the tank? Six months ago, wasn't it? At least four or five months ago. I think if you're in the real estate business, yeah. things have been tougher, maybe. I don't know. But All it, services. It has been surprised. It's sort of. But it's held up. It has not it's held really. Up. It has not fallen. 500,000 jobs. Meta now rolling out a new paid verification subscription service called Meta Verified. Where do you think they got that idea from? Uh, it's going to cost $11.99 per month on the web or $14.99 per month if you buy through the app on Apple devices. Users will be able to submit their government ID and get a blue verification badge. The service will be introduced in Australia and New Zealand this week and more countries are expected to follow the service similar to Twitter's revamped service called Twitter Blue, which grants users a verification badge if they pay a monthly fee. Meta spokesperson saying the subscription benefits include impersonation protections and proactive monitoring. Businesses are not currently, though, eligible to apply. So we're going to see how it all is keeps to work. Be, someone keeps being me. And every time we get rid of them being me, they come up with me. With, just check the name. They're, they're asking me. I guess I'm so well-respected in terms of advice that they have a new trading scheme that they keep offering people. And you have a training scheme? A trading a trading scheme. Trading scheme. Yeah, you something. They've joined my, and they got all pictures that they steal from oh, other stop things. Stop saying they. I know you have a great program, and people should subscribe. <laughs> Some news. I think that families are going to be very happy about this news. United Airlines saying that technology will make more seats available so children can sit with an adult in their party without paying a fee. The software uh, will open up, quote, preferred seats to parents or other adult travelers accompanying a child younger than 12 if needed so they can sit together. Those preferred seats don't necessarily come with extra legroom or other perks, but sometimes cost more because they're at the front of the plane. President Biden called out airlines for family seating fees in his State of the Union address and has asked lawmakers to ban such fees. Now, Delta says it blocks certain rows of seats so families can sit together. American says it will, plat it will it, that its platform will automatically search for available seats together at time of booking, and it opens preferred seats the day of departure if needed. I don't know how, how often you've ever gone on a trip where, you know, one kid over here and another kid over here. Never. And you're, never? No. This oh, was, this, but, that's Because my kids aren't kids anymore. But, right. and, and when did this whole practice come into, when did this start? Because it, it must have been... 
paying for for sitting together with your family. That's got to be within the last five years. I would, think. I would say the last couple of years, maybe more, it's been tough. No, but sometimes you can't get everybody together and then you're having to, you know, you get on the plane and you say to the person, okay, can we switch? Right, you always try to switch over yeah. here. Da, 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 but I didn't know you could, uh, okay. So yeah, this is, but you know, my kids are now in their 20s, so. They just put their headphones on and yeah. watch the movie on their iPad anyway. Right. We try to, you know, we try to sit together though, obviously. Right. And we switch around like that. Some people are funny when they won't, they just won't switch. That's, that's why I, I, I try to have a, you like window or, or aisle. Some people like aisle. I just go between them, obviously. Nobody's on my plane with me, so it's usually, there's a lot right. of space. Uh, well, which seat you like, I know which seat you like in the G5. You like that, that one, like where the president sits, right? On the right, right? Yeah. that's typically where I go, where I just take, you know, take a nap in the back. A programming note, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern, former Vice President Mike Pence will join us to talk about inflation, the economy. We will, uh, obviously, that's what our lane is going to be. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the, the debt ceiling, uh, talk about the Fed, talk about all things money. But we may, Andrew, 2024, we may talk about 2024, 2020. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he thinks of uh, the former vice president, I mean, right. or the former president. Think about that. At, at this point, you know, DeSantis and Trump are very close. But you add enough people in the group with DeSantis, and it looks like 2000, could look like could 2016 look like yep. again, where there's a plurality but not a majority. Majority. So let's see what, what the vice president, I, I know you'll have some good questions that we can, Trump is fair game again. Like most of the time I say, oh my God, he's still living in your head rent free. This guy, he's gone. He's not, pre- but he's not gone. So uh, uh, you are free to, to delve into whatever you think right. is, is appropriate, but it's it, the it's, two of us. Doesn't live in my brain rent free. No, he doesn't. No. He lives in a lot of people. You know, you see them. Well, I charge them. <laughs> oh, no, that's why charge not, it. Not, uh, I think Mike might be right here, might here, or we'll, vice we'll president. Figure out where we're gonna here. where we're gonna place. What about jackets? I'm gonna try and get him to take his jacket off. Oh, or you think he wear jackets? No, I don't. No, you'd like to. Respect for the office. No, what? But out of respect for the show, I'm gonna do a Jim Jordan. I think and just. This is what I do. This is how I am. Okay. And you know, if if you can see you, you can see my gut. That's you know, so be it. Next on Squawk Pod, the great Russian business retreat. The companies that have exited that country since the war in Ukraine began and history's precedent for corporate protest. It's Yale's CEO whisperer, Jeff Sonnenfeld. The individual business leaders, every company benefited from pulling out. This is not one of these woke things where you have a trade-off between shareholders and stakeholders. We'll be right back. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.
Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. President Biden is in Europe. He made a surprise visit to Ukraine nearly a year after Russia began its war there. Well, we're trying to Following that, he stopped by Poland for a planned diplomatic visit. And in the midst of this trip, some news came out of Russia. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. We should tell you that President Putin gave a marathon speech this morning where he denied responsibility for the war in Ukraine and lashed out at his adversaries, casting the war as Western allies attacking Russia. Kayla Tausche joins us with the latest this morning. Kayla. Good morning, Andrew. President Biden later this morning set to deliver his own address, which National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says will seek to put the war in Ukraine into the context of democracy against brute force, echoing remarks Mr. Biden delivered from Poland Uh, After meeting with President Duda just about a year ago, 10,000 U.S. troops are stationed in Poland, which is a critical conduit for weaponry coming from the U.S. The 32nd such package was unveiled yesterday, $450 million in rocket launchers, javelins and artillery, and another $10 million to bolster Ukraine's energy grid, which has consistently come under missile fire. President Biden seeking to galvanize more support from the U.S. in a surprise visit to the war-torn capital of Kyiv yesterday, a trip by military jet and 10 hours each way by train through the Ukrainian countryside. President Biden, that is so important signal for us. Thank you very much. That trip, very secretive, but months in the making. Top administration officials have been warning China, meanwhile, of the consequences it would face if it assists the Kremlin in its war. Secretary of State Tony Blinken made that point directly to his Chinese counterpart in Munich when they met over the weekend. And the deputy Treasury secretary confirming the U.S. would sanction individuals and companies that were providing material support, saying last night that Beijing's siding with the Kremlin will lead them to being cut off from being able to do business with the G7. Now, as for communication between the U.S. and Russia directly, a senior U.S. official says that it remains ready to talk to Russia over arms control after uh, President Putin's announcement that Russia would pull out of a key nuclear arms treaty. Of course, there are no calls scheduled. And when the U.S. notified the Kremlin of plans for President Biden to visit Ukraine for deconfliction purposes, a senior official says this morning Russia did not respond. Andrew, back to you. Okay, Kayla, thank you. We're going to continue this conversation right now because this morning's Wall Street Journal features a full-page ad uh, entitled The Great Russian Business Retreat, Corporate Honor Roll, and names over 1,000 companies that have exited Russia. Joining us right now is the man behind that ad, Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, Yale School of Management Senior Associate Dean of Leadership Studies. And Jeff, it's great to see you at the table, no less, this morning. Uh, great to see you. How much that ad cost you? Just happen to just happen to have a copy of you it. Happen to have a fact. Copy. In fact, one one for each of you. Uh, I see you I have got your own. One. It's cheaper twice the price. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, I mean, it's it's incredible in the A section and uh, on on such a day, of course, with the the surprise Biden visit, which we had a hint was going right. to happen. So the timing of this is 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 really fantastic. And rather than uh, any uh, hall of shame, we wanted to really salute the bold companies that moved so quickly. And we've talked about this privately. I never said it on air. The first movers is what really shocked me. Right. It was big tech, 
big oil and professional services. They're never the first movers on social justice issues, and then everybody else got on board. Okay, so but now I'm going to make it more complicated, because if you, if you believe the news reports and you think about what Anthony Blinken is saying, if China, in fact, is going to be supporting Russia, what are all of the companies on this list that often uh, probably are doing business in China right now Where it's supposed a much, to do? Much bigger market. Right? Much harder to it exit. Was, right. It was one thing to exit Russia. What do these guys do now in China? Uh, I think the, the, the China engagement here is way overstated. China knows uh, it doesn't need Putin. China is, star is starting to realize they don't need Russia. Russia has become an economic afterthought. Russia is not as an economic superpower in any measure. They have thermonuclear weapons, that's it. They're, they're like a, a mercantile. And what accounts for these reports? Well, there are always going to be some people who cheat. There are European companies that are doing business. Uh, with Russia, there'll be some uh, right no, no, now. No, no, with no. China. I'm not talking about the companies. I'm talking about the reports that China is going is backing Russia in in its fight against Ukraine. We haven't seen the evidence of that actually happening just yet. W what companies do, we already see that in the auto industry, there are companies that have joint deals with, like with Geely, the Chinese automaker. They're looking at throttling back uh, involvements there. If if China gets in in a big way, that would be an unbelievable miscalculation by Xi Jinping. Uh, Russia is not even barely one of the top 20 trading partners for China. Russia needs China way more than China needs Russia. I, I'm and not Russia, disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that China right needs now, the U.S. and the West more. I, I think it's saber rattling. I, I think that they're. So going what to, do you uh, think she is doing, and what should you should um, you know U.S. and multinational uh, businesses? I mean, should they be using their voice when it comes to speaking out against? China. They have. Uh, they, they have? Uh, some I mean, of most them are staying silent. Some enthusiastically and some of them kicking and screaming pulled out before the government sanctions against the Xinjiang, uh, the Xinjiang uh, province fine cotton. Everybody got out of there. Some were early movers, some like Levi Strauss who never had anything to do with it. Others kicking and screaming, but none are there. Uh, some proudly, like Nike, put it up on their website and took a 35% hit in uh, Chinese customers, but it was only for about three months. And guess what? Everything rebounded. So companies have shown their character when there have been targeted opportunities. And, and kind of a corollary to your, to your point, uh, China, Russia, and the U.S. red line, you wonder about the red line. You wonder if, if, if it does happen, you know, the president has threat, made some pretty strident threats right. on, on and what also would be you done. Did. Do you think the red line, do you think that the red line holds in this case? Are we willing to, to lay it all on the line for Ukraine? I think, well, we should. I think you take and a look at what, China, all on the line. what China's done already. China, what happened on the 24th of February? Sinochem and Sinopec got out. It's bigger than almost any company we talk about here on this set. Sinochem and Sinopec got out. Who else did? And that reports directly right. to Xi Jinping. ICBC, a, a bank that's bigger than almost any bank we ever talk about here, Bank of China, uh, which is top five bank, they got out immediately. No loans. They're not funding. Yeah. China's not funding. Jeff, this, is, this is bipartisan. You've got Republicans and Democrats both saying we need to back Ukraine to the yeah, hill. Yeah, we just had Lindsey, to the Lindsey Graham. But, but then again, there, 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 there are certain undertones that how long will this last? Would, it, would, we, would we continue to support the war for five more years? Do we want a complete withdrawal from all areas of Ukraine? You know, Kissinger has said, look, it's about diplomacy. It's about trying to end this without any... Uh, you know, any Kissinger's done an about face. Kissinger. Okay, but what, what, what does is it a proxy war for regime change with the United States against Russia? Or what would we accept 
to, well, to end hostilities. None of these companies are going back in under Putin. What you know, do you think as, the end game look? Would you do this another well, five the, years? The, the companies say we believe in investing where's the rule of law and not the law right, of You rulers. don't want to talk about it. No, no. So that's a regime change. But it's the realities getting, of the situation are what does the end look like? How long right. do we continue to, to be all in on this? It, 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 in China is Russia is losing militarily. So you don't think it's going to last much longer? It's long. losing diplomatically, and now I'm here to tell you it's losing economically. This, com this country is crumbling. It can't survive. Uh, the only reason they survive is because of lies, propaganda, because he creates a fake GDP, and he's cannibalizing. You, Do you realize that you don't even, think that China and India are keeping this country afloat? And oh what God, you, no. We, no? we, we want them to buy as much Russian oil as you can, as long as it, it, it keeps the price down in the global markets. The price caps are working incredibly well. And unfortunately for the world, it, the price is too cheap for Russian oil. If nobody wants Russian oil, it's not at the $60 price cap limit. It's still around $55 right now. And Russia is losing money on it. It costs Russia $46, $45 a barrel to extract it from the from the earth. It only costs uh, uh, Saudis $22. Then they have to spend another $10 to get it to India or China. So they're losing money on it. When that missile landed in in and nobody uh, needs their when gas. When that missile landed in Poland, it was a Ukraine. We, we it was quickly diffused because it wasn't Russian, obviously. But what happens if if there's something happens on NATO? territory or in Poland, then what does United Something States Something could have do? happened yesterday with the president there, which was very, very smart. Uh, well, what if Poland, what, do you think that Poland is, is on Putin's wish list? Do you think that's, that we've heard that it is? Would you expect that? And then what would our response be to that? It is, and in in, in what, we, what we see is uh, uh, there are plenty of countries that have nothing to do with NATO. Poland, we would protect, but there are companies like Uzbekistan and Moldova, we could ask questions about that. And certainly, uh, when you look at Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, they are warning us that they are being targeted. So what the business community has done here is this is the largest exit in world history. The, the, uh, to have a, uh, a regime change, yes, this can, this can shake that out, is when you have government sanctions matched by a private sector exit, the average Russian, and that's the solution here, Joe, the average Russian is to realize that Putin is the source of their misery. Uh, and as these companies leave, it's adding to the stress on the average but it was, Russian. It was not great before these companies left. And, and Putin, there are some people that say that he's, he's been able to make up for some of the losses from, from this business with a higher price uh, for oil. No, he has, not, he has a lower price for oil. Right. Is the, the, he was, but it was never about half, economics. He's right. losing a half a billion dollars a day on energy right now. Nobody's buying his gas. His gas was 46% of Europe's gas was coming from Russia. Guess what? It's now 7%. It could be zero. They don't need it. We're providing more than the U.S. ever did in terms of gas. Uh, it, it, he's become, Russia has become an economic afterthought. We'd also even, believe it or not, their wheat is good to have on the market. It's bumper crop everywhere in the world. The rare metals, and somebody may come on the show and talk to you about the rare, metal, rare metals. Right now, we're, it's competitively priced in Africa and South America, and now even in North America. So we are able to source. Russia, all they brought to the world marketplace were raw materials. It was like a colony in an old market. So what's system. in it for the only for, for, back to, to Andrew's point? What's in it for China? The, the enemy of my enemy, or do they? Uh, the, 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 I mean, they, they. China doesn't mind Russia as a vassal state. They don't. They don't need Putin. Uh, it's. Uh, but you want the, Putin? It sounds like you want regime change. Jeff, Jeff Sonnenfeld wants regime change. Oh, I, I, I think we're seeing a lot of Russians want regime change, and that's. What happens when you put, when you, the way the apartheid regime came down in South Africa was because the average 
South Africans started to realize that they were pariahs, that the country was a rogue nation because these individual business leaders, and by the way, pulled out, the individual business leaders, every company benefited from pulling out. This is not one of these woke things where you have a trade-off between shareholders and stakeholders, is that proportionate with their exit, they, to the second, when I came on uh, another uh, CNBC show and, and read out the companies that were real and which ones were fake, a squawk on the street, you, to the second you could see whose stock took a hit and who right. benefited. Is, and, and we've mapped this out, that of these 1,000 companies, those who've pulled out proportionate with their, with their exit, they have, they have definitely benefited. You think you can, the average Russian wants Putin gone right now? Because he, he, we always see these, they, they want Mother Russia reconstituted, we're told, uh, as well. Or what, what do you think his approval rating is now in, in Russia? I, I think like we saw Eric Honecker fall in East Germany, as we saw Jaruzelski fall uh, uh, in Poland, as we saw Ceausescu fall well, in Romania, been... is the, the, average, uh, the average Russian would like there to be a regime change. Uh, but they're afraid to answer surveys honestly. Uh, it, but these private sector, you know, a lot of times economic blockades don't succeed. But right. when you have public and private working together, they do. Jeff, I want to thank you for coming in this morning. Oh, Great sure. to see thank you. you. How do you really feel? <laughs> Cheese will be next. Coming up, a new study. You ready for this? It says hybrid work models, Joseph, are costing the city of New York more than $12 well, I billion. Hope, I, you take that to heart. As workers spend this more partly, days out of the office, we're going to dig into fault. that story next. You've been an enabler on this whole subject. Of hybrid work? Yes, you have. There's a, hang tight. We'll talk more about this after the break. Ooh. There's also another report out this morning that in the U.K., people are liking the four-day work week. The bite remote work is taking out of the Big Apple with the partnership for New York's Kathy Wild. The property owners, the landlords are very worried. There's a 20% commercial vacancy rate in Midtown Manhattan, which is the highest in memory. Squawk Pod will be right back. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Three, two, one, his mic, Q. Good morning, Joseph. Nice hey. to see you. Good to see you. I'm working on some things tomorrow. Working I see. On, working on some things, uh, you know, the jacket, no jacket thing. Think, yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to... We're going to work that out. And get the Veep to do... It's going to be a working breakfast with the former vice president. Hybrid work schedules are costing New York City billions of dollars. According to a recent estimate, Manhattan workers are spending about $12 billion less per year in the city because they're spending 30% fewer days in the office. Here to talk more about the economic impact of remote work is Catherine Wild. She's the CEO of the Partnership for New York City. Good morning to you. We've been talking about what hybrid work was going to do and, and the reshaping of the city. Um, the numbers are staggering. The question is, what do you do about it uh, at a time when we were also looking at a report out of the UK this morning, I don't know if you saw, suggesting that the four-day work week and a study that they're doing there is going to continue almost unabated. And so if, you, if, if this is the new universe we're living in, is there a way to shift things around to make that money back? Well, in fact, if you look at the economy of New York City, it has grown 
to 880 billion, grown over 1% since 2019. So the economy of New York City is not shrinking because of new uh, remote work. What the study doesn't make clear is what they're talking about is losses to the Manhattan Central Business District. Right. The city is definitely gonna be less Manhattan-centric in the foreseeable future. And so, I mean, look, a lot of folks, obviously there's, a, we built a huge infrastructure around the city to, uh, and whether it's, uh, you know, laundry or restaurants or all of these sort of various services uh, that historically wor workers took advantage of. And the question is, is are you trying to encourage encourage uh, less hybrid work? I mean, is your view we should go back to a, a five-day work week? Is that is that the answer or is there some other kind of answer to all of this? Well, I'm of a generation that grew up with the at least a five-day work week. So that's my comfort level. But that is not true of the new generation, particularly for the young people that have taken their first job during the pandemic in the last three years. So 82% of employers today, of Manhattan office employers, 82% say that hybrid work is their future plan. Uh, before the pandemic, that number was 6%. So we've right. seen a dramatic change, and that's from employers. Forget the employees. As we're seeing, employees take for granted the benefit, the fringe benefit of having flexibility of working from wherever they are. Right. We have not seen companies en masse say, you know what, we're giving up office space. I mean, really giving up office space. I wonder two or three years from now whether we will get to that point and how that might change the dynamic if it does at all. Well, I think that, yes, we are seeing employers say they're going to either maintain or expand their both their headcount right. and their office space in the city, which is a big benefit to the city, obviously. It's hard to tell. I mean, the property owners, the landlords are very worried. There's a 20% commercial vacancy rate in Midtown Manhattan, which is the highest in memory. So there is concern. What do we do with these old buildings? I have infinite confidence in the Manhattan real estate industry to figure that out and to make New York City and Manhattan will become a social center, a cultural center. There'll be lots of activity. There'll be a lot more housing, residential conversion of buildings, just like we saw in the 70s and 80s right. when the old industrial buildings were converted to residential Do you lots. Think that neighborhoods change? I mean, right now, by the way, you go over to Hudson Yards, uh, and I'm sort of pointing behind me and, and to the left, uh, is thriving. I mean, it is just buzzing over there. Then you go to Midtown in the middle of the day over on Park Avenue, and sometimes it's a little bit it's a little bleaker than you'd want it to be. Is that become a, a place where people start to move and, and start to live, for example? How do you think that this all shifts around? Yes, I think there's going to be a, the smaller, uh, older commercial buildings, the older office buildings are the ones that are experiencing lack of rent. The new buildings that have gone up that provide all sorts of amenities for employees, they're a magnet for bringing people right. back because they're such fun places to be. They've got coffee shops on the 23rd floor. They, you know, they're, they're, they are really been built to accommodate. Where are you right now on safety, security, policing in New York City? We've had so many conversations over the past two years, sort of uh, pandemic, post-pandemic, about what's happening in the city. Uh, things seem like they have improved a bit, but I'm curious uh, if you feel the same way. Well, certainly in the subways, it's improved. The survey we did in September, 24 percent of respondents said that 
crime in the subways was a major factor in return to work. Uh, in the most recent survey we did in January, that was down to only 6%. I think the fact that the mayor and the governor put on a real blitz in terms of police presence, in terms of trying to help uh, bring services to the homeless who are in the subways has made a big difference. And that's a that's a positive trend line. On the other hand, in the city as a whole, I think the fear of gun violence and general anxiety that is a function of the of the experience of the pandemic, where we lost 45,000 New Yorkers. Uh, everybody has become more conscious of their mortality and more nervous about. And, and what do you think about the tax base? Because the other part of the story, at least um, anecdotally, was so many of, of the wealthiest New Yorkers were fleeing to, to Florida. Um, Taking, taking their tax dollars with them, and then how are we going to pay for all of these things that we keep talking about? Yes, that's the doom loop theory, which um, I am nervous about. The outmigration of high-income New Yorkers is a real problem. And that didn't start with the pandemic. That really started in when 2017 uh we enacted the federal government enacted uh, the, uh, the the tax act, which eliminated state and local tax deductibility. So everybody who pays taxes in New York, their their taxes went up because you could no longer deduct your real estate taxes, your income taxes that were paid to the state and city. And New York is the highest tax state in the nation. So remote work has made it easier to work from anywhere. And as a result, those who feel grossly overtaxed are, in fact, um, moving out. We lost 330,000 people since 2019 in the city population. It is the city we love. Um, Catherine, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, hope, Thanks. Uh, hope, I, I hope, hope springs eternal. Things in the city get better even with a hybrid workforce. I know Joe's looking at it and saying, oh, everyone should just be back here. Yeah. Yeah. Seven days a week. Like, like, you know, like the way the world used to be. Operate. No, like the way it operates. People go to work. People go to work. The dignity of work. What Earned did you think? Success. Did you see that? Did you see that report of the UK? Four day, four day work week, and the employees are the well, employees want to do it. I'm, I'm not sorry, against, the employers want to do it. I'm not against that. I'm not against that. Thank you for listening to Squawk Pod and for starting this holiday-shortened week with us, where you get the best of all of our news, first in business worldwide, and some fun stuff. People know we're joking, right? A little bit. I don't put anything. I know, never assume they know that. I've seen people, what did I say the other day? And it was, I mean, it's really staggering, but no one ever went broke, believe me, uh, underestimating. Oh, when I said uh, we were in Washington, and I said, what is that pointy structure? Out yeah. There. Someone said you have you have someone on your air who doesn't know what the what the Washington Monument is. And tomorrow, don't miss our interview with former Vice President Mike Pence. Talk about all fifty-two states. Yeah. Talk about yeah. No, all joking. fifty-seven. It's a joke. All fifty-seven. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at six Eastern, or. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. Now we are clear. Thanks, guys. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. 
That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.